We'll learn a little bit about the, uh, the great debate. The great debate. The amazing, amazing um, for bringing from the Rebbe, based on an amazing medrash. So I'm going to mute everybody. And everybody, please unmute yourself if you have something to say. Don't be shy. Uh, yeah, and this is the story. The story is that uh, regarding, the, regarding the giving of the Torah, it says that when Moshe Rabbeinu came up on high, top of the mountain, to the heaven, to receive the Torah, the Malachi Sharet, the angels that serve God, asked God, they said, Master of the universe, what is a human being doing here? Or in Hebrew, Ma liyelud isha benenu. What is the what is the child of a mother doing here? Which means a human being. So Hashem replied, Moshe has come to receive the Torah. So the angels said to God, "You desire to give this precious hidden." Um, treasure which has been concealed to somebody who is flesh and blood what is a human being that you even think about him give your glory on the heavens not on the earth not to the people so Hashem said to Moshe God says to Moses give them an answer Hashem passed the buck. <laughs> he says, Moshe, you answer them. So Moshe says to God, what does the Torah say that you are giving me? What does the Torah say? It says, I am the Lord, your God, who took you out of Egypt. So Moses said to the angels, were you in Egypt? Were you slaves to Pharaoh? Well, then why should the Torah be yours? What else is written in the Torah? It says, do not have any other gods. Are you angels dwelling amongst pagan nations that serve idols? And then Moshe asked them similar questions about the other Ten Commandments. He says, do you guys work for six days that you should rest on Shabbos? Do you engage in business? Do you have parents that you need to honor? Does jealousy and envy exist among you? Do you even have a Yetzirah? Do you even have an evil inclination? The Torah doesn't, doesn't, the Torah doesn't belong to you. The Gemara concludes the story by saying that immediately the angels agreed that God was indeed justified to give the Torah to the Jewish people. So now, before we can continue with the uh, wonderful explanation about this debate, let me tell you a story. A Roman atheist in the days of the Roman Empire, came over to one of the sages of the Jewish people and said, why can't we see this, so to speak, invisible God of yours? You claim that there is one God, that the world has one God, but that he's invisible. How convenient. Well, why can't you see him? If, you don't, if I don't see him, I don't believe in him. So the rabbi said, I'll show you to him on condition that first you look at the sun, for 30 seconds or whatever. 
So the Roman tried to look at the sun. He couldn't look at the sun for longer than a second or two. So the rabbi said to him, what's the matter? He said, I can't, it's too, it's too bright. So the, so the rabbi said, that's right. And that's only one of God's servants. And you can't even look at him. Imagine looking at God himself. It's impossible. And that's why he hides so that we don't have to look at him. So based on that story, it becomes easier to appreciate the courage of Moses who argues with angels. You know, we imagine angels based on drawings and maybe angels in the outfield and this movie or that movie. You know, angels are cute. They run around with, you know. The idea of arguing with an angel, the, the only way to tr- sort of appreciate that is if, imagine if the sun itself was arguing with you. I mean, even in the scientific world, there exist creations that are frightening, that are overwhelming just in their size and in their intensity. And those are just physical creations. Those are not angels. So the idea of, the, of an angel, it says in the, in, the, in the Zohar, every angel is the size of the entire universe which of course is a, is a metaphor because the angels are spiritual and not physical. But the point is that the idea that an angel would challenge you and that you would engage the angel in a debate and not simply say to the angel, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, only highlights the greatness of Moses that instead of quickly conceding to the angels, he actually argues with them. And not only he argues with them, he wins the argument. So that's just... One point. So now, let's get into this. What exactly was the basis that the angels had for demanding the Torah? You're talking about the Torah. The Torah, besides being a very holy book, is a book of law. So if the angels were demanding the Torah, then there must be some basis in Torah law for their claim. Otherwise, they wouldn't make such a claim. So what basis is there in Jewish law for the angels to claim that they should get the Torah instead of the Jewish people being given the Torah? There has to be some basis in law. So in an amazing explanation, that many of the sages explain that their, that their claim was based on one of the Jewish real estate laws. And I'm not sure whether, whether such a law exists in American law, but maybe one of you knows. The law is called Bar Metzra, which means a neighbor. According to Jewish law, when a person has a field, a field, and he wants to sell his field, the owner of the adjoining field, the, the neighbor, has first right of acquisition by law. And that is because it is advantageous for a person to have all of his fields connected with each other, contiguous, instead of having them scattered all over. The Torah tells Jewish people, Vasita hayashar v'hatov, you shall do what is proper and good in God's eyes. So if 
you can help a person out by, by allowing his fields to be connected with one another, to be adjacent to each other, then that's what you have to do. So if you want to sell your field, then before you can put it on the open market, you have to offer it to your neighbor. And if you don't, you sell it to some outsider, the neighbor can, by Jewish law, he can take it from the buyer. And the buyer will have to give it, sell it, at a fair price to the neighbor. And the buyer will have to deal with the seller because the buyer should have done the due diligence and made sure that the neighbor was offered the field first. So that law that a neighbor gets first right of, of acquisition on a field is called bar metzra, which simply means a person who shares a border with you, a property line with you, or in simply, simple English, a neighbor. Bar metzra. So, on this basis, the angel said to God, wait a minute, we know that you have begun to give the Torah to, to the Jewish people. Moshe is already up on the mountain. He's already in the process of taking it on behalf of the Jewish people. But we have a claim. And the claim is, we are your neighbors. The Torah was in heaven for many years. That's what the, the angels said in their claim. They said the Torah was hidden, meaning that it was in heaven all this time. Well, we are also in heaven. Angels are celestial, heavenly beings. So therefore, if you're going to give it to someone, if you're going to sell it to someone, we have the first right of acquisition. You have to offer it to us first. First offer it to those who reside next to you in heaven before you can go and offer it to somebody from far away on earth. And um, this also explains... Why God told Moses, you answer them. Because as we said, it's actually more of an obligation on the buyer than it is on the seller. The buyer has to, be, has to make sure that there, that there is no lien, so to speak, on it from the neighbor by making sure that the neighbor was offered the property. So now that Moshe is already in, in, the, in the position of the buyer, it's his responsibility to defend this, this, this uh, uh, transaction. So the God says to Moshe, you have to defend this transaction to the angels. Otherwise, you're going to be evicted and I'm going to have to give it to the angels. So that's the legal basis for their claim. And we find in many, in, in very uh, variety of Jewish books of, uh, of Torah scholarship, different defenses, different legal answers as to why that law does not apply to the Torah. And by the way, just simply to say, well, God is God, He can do whatever He wants, is not a good answer, because God tells us many times that whatever He asks us to do in the Torah, whatever He commands us to do, He does Himself. He doesn't, he doesn't just give us advice and not follow it himself. Whatever he tells us to do, he does. And therefore, if he has this law of Bar Metzedah, then he follows it too. And how does he get away with giving the Torah to the Jews from far away instead of offering it first to the angels? So, somebody might say, God had a, had a special uh, desire to give it to the Jews. He wasn't offering it to anybody. But the fact is that God did offer it to other nations before he gave it to the Jews. 
just knowing that they were going to say no, but just to, to make sure that in the future they wouldn't complain, why didn't you offer it to us? God offered it to the children of Esau and to the children of Yishmael, and they said, no, we don't want it. So the angel said, hey, you never offered it to us, and we are your neighbors. So one of the answers is that this law of Bar Metzra does not apply when you are giving a gift. If you are selling the field, you have to offer the sale to the neighbor first. But if you're giving it as a gift, the law doesn't apply. And the Torah was not being sold to the Jewish people. The Torah was being given as a gift. As we say in the blessing before we, get, before we read the Torah, Asher, after we read the Torah, Asher Natan Lanu Torat Emet. God gave us the Torah. Natan has the same shares a root with the word matana, which means a gift. And, uh, and, and Shavuot, which is coming up in a few days, we say is the anniversary of what? Matan Torah, the day that the Torah was given to us, gifted to us. So that's the first answer. That the Torah was a gift and not a sale, and therefore Bar Metzra doesn't apply. Number two, the Jewish people are related to God so to speak. The Torah says, uh, the Torah calls us, el Hashem elokeinu yomam valayla. We are close to God day and night, but close to God. Krovim in Hebrew also means relatives. Krovim. So we are God's relatives. Furthermore, the Torah even calls us God's children. Banim atem l'Hashem elokeichem. And of course, the laws of Bar Metzra do not apply when the owner is selling it to his own child or to his own family. That's answer number two. Answer number three. Moshe, it says, was from the waist up an angel and from the waist down a human being. Moshe Rabbeinu lived half in this world and half in heaven. That's what it says about Moshe. So therefore, if you're talking about a man who from, from his waist and up is an angel, then, uh, then, then Moshe is also a bar metzah. Now this is not such a good answer because the Torah wasn't only given to Moshe. Torah was given to all the Jewish people, not just to Moses, but whatever. That's another answer that people offer. There are some other answers that are given. Uh, for example... It says that Moshe was the judge of the Jewish people. He acted as their judge. And the Torah says that when somebody is a judge, when a Jewish judge adjudicates, honestly, God says, you are my partner in the maintenance of the world. Well, a partner obviously can buy a field and doesn't have to go through the laws of Bar Metzrah. So therefore you could say the same. But again, the Torah was given to all the Jewish people and not and not only to Moses. But anyway, all of these answers are very cute. All of these answers are very nice, but there's, a, but there's one problem. None of them are what Moshe answered them. <laughs> They're actually in the story, it says what Moshe answered them. Moshe said to them, the Torah doesn't, you don't need the Torah because you didn't go to Egypt and you don't have parents to honor and you don't have an evil inclination to resist and you don't have any envy. The, the whole Ten Commandments doesn't apply to you. That's what Moshe answered. So, and all these answers about why Bar Metzrah doesn't apply are all very nice, but none of them, 
jive with what Moshe Rabbeinu actually said to them. In fact, they seem to be the opposite spirit of what Moshe said to the angels. Moshe's point was, you guys are so holy and so lofty and so perfect, what do you need the Torah for? We are slaves and we have evil inclination and we, 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 we experience envy and jealousy. So actually, it's the... It, the, uh, these, all these cute answers saying that we're God's children, we're God's neighbor, and therefore Bar Metzah doesn't apply. That's not what Moshe was saying. So what's the answer to the claim of Bar Metzah? What is the answer that is found in the words that Moshe Rabbeinu himself was saying? Not, not something else. How do you explain it within Moshe's words? Yeah. The angel, angel asking God why you giving it to Moshe, and not you're not giving it to us or other nations and this. Who are they, with all due respect to the angels, questioning God? They are not His level. He is the rule of the. He is the ruler of the universe. Mapitot, they're asking him. No. You're asking a very good question. So what's what's your I know what's the answer? The answer is that he's so nice and so polite that he felt maybe he needs to give them an answer so everything is clear and it's um, there is a clear way to people or general understand why the Torah was giving it to given to Moshe. Okay, but you you didn't or, ask why did why did God answer? You asked how could they ask? Yeah. What's your answer to that? They are chutzpanim. <laughs> well, they're asking because their claim is based on what it says in the Torah. Oh. God wrote in the Torah what he wants to happen, he, what he considers to be righteous. So they're saying to God, according to your desire, According to your Torah, your wisdom, you should offer it to us first. Number, that's number one. Number two, what are they arguing about? They're arguing about who gets to be closer to God. So that's not really doesn't take chutzpah. They, they're not arguing that, you know, uh, some irrelevant point. They're saying, we want to be closer to you. And the truth is, until the Torah was given, who was the closest to God? Angels. Hands down. So everything was changing now for the angels. You can't blame them for freaking out. They were suddenly, they were suddenly being, you know, you know how it is. You work for a company for 30 years, right? You work for a boss for 30 years. You're the highest earning employee. You're a loyal, loyal worker. Suddenly the boss's kid turns 18 and suddenly he's promoted and he's your supervisor. Oh my God. And you come to the boss and you say, Vos it does. Who the heck is this kid? Because he's your... That's the way it works, man. I'm sorry. The angels, until, the, until God gave us the Torah, the angels were, were God's right and left hand. Suddenly God says, I'm going to give myself. Not just the Torah. The Torah wasn't just God's favorite book. The Torah was God put himself on, on, you know, on parchment. And he says, you know who I'm giving myself to? I'm giving myself to the, to the people, to the Jewish people. So of course the angels freaked out. 
After all this time, 2,448 years of the angels being superior, suddenly God announces, I'm choosing somebody from the whole universe, from all of creation. I am making my choice. Who is going to be mine? And who it's going to be? It's going to be the Jewish people. The angels, they couldn't hold back. What do you mean people? And besides, they were claiming this not only for themselves. They were saying to God, you can't give it to flesh and blood because flesh and blood, they, they know you today, they forget you tomorrow, they're good to you today, they're bad to you tomorrow. Flesh and blood, people are very fickle. They remember you, then they forget you. They're going to forget about you. They're going to trample your holy Torah and they're going to ignore you and you're going to see that, that they're going to turn their backs on you. We would never do that. So please, we're begging you for your sake. Don't give it to people. Don't give it to them. So their claim was not only based on the Torah, and it was not only based on their love for God, their claim in their minds was defending God's honor. Because they, they said to God, if you give the Torah to the Jewish people, today they'll follow the Torah, tomorrow, tomorrow they won't follow the Torah, give it a few years, nobody will follow the Torah. The Jews are not, the Jews are not reliable. So if you have something so cherished and so priceless and so precious, how are you going to give it to people? Give it to us. It'll remain in mint condition. So they actually... What was, what was given when you say the Torah? We know that it was the, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. Was it including... All the Torah that he gave them from Sinai? The whole thing. The Ten Commandments was just the highlight. But it was the whole Torah. The whole, okay. the whole Torah was given at, at Mount Sinai and unpacked over the next 40 years. But the whole thing was given at Mount Sinai. And, and God himself was given at Mount Sinai. In the Torah. When we learn the Torah, we have God. So the angels are saying, you're giving yourself to them. They're going to walk all over you. What are you doing? And of course, anybody that's honest with themselves knows that in, in that regards, the angels were right. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we're not so good. We're, not, we're no Mona Lisa's, you know what I mean? You know the Mona Lisa, she's always good. Always happy. A few days ago, somebody threw cake in her face. She didn't flinch. The pain didn't bother her. The taste didn't entertain her. Nothing. She don't move. We are not Mona Lisa's. One day we're happy, the next day we're depressed, next day we're responsible, the next day we're irresponsible, one day we're chutzpah, one day we're full of love. And the angel says to God, what are you going to give the Torah to the Jews? It'll be broken into a million pieces by the time the Shabbos comes around. And what happened? And what happened? Forty days later, the Jewish people said, ah, let's worship a golden calf. You don't think the angels came to God and said to God, eh, we told you so. So, their, their claim is a very, very legitimate claim. In other words... Why, by the way, why did Moshe need to stay there, up there for 40 days? God was teaching him the Torah. He was writing the Torah? God was te days. teaching him the whole Torah. Teaching it to him like a teacher. Teaching it to him. Oh, I see. Teaching it to him. Teaching him that when I say, in the, when, when I write in the Torah, that you shall write it on the doorposts of your house, what I mean is, you should take a, a kosher animal, and you should take the hide, and you should work it into parchment, and you should write on the parchment with ink, this kind of ink, and this is what you should write, the Shema Yisrael, and all the details that were, that, that, that were explained by Moshe, 
when he came down the mountain, he said, this is what God wrote, and this is what God meant. How did he know what God meant? Because God taught him the whole Torah for 40 days and 40 nights. He taught him the Torah. So before we can get to the amazing answer, first we need to appreciate what an amazing claim the angels had. Why indeed did God give us the Torah and put the, and put the destiny of Him and His whole universe in our flimsy flesh and blood human hands when the angels were ready and willing to take it on their, on their backs and they, would have been, and they would have been perfect? So, the answer is that regarding the laws of Bar Metzrah, there is another exception. The other exception is, what do you do when you have a field and the neighbor, your neighbor wants to buy it? He wants to buy it in order to plant it. He wants to plant produce. He wants to grow the field. And um, another person who is not a bar mitzvah, not a neighbor, he wants to buy it, but he wants to buy it because he wants to build a house on the property. So the Torah says, if somebody wants to, wants to plant it, and somebody else wants to build a house, the law of Bar Metzirah doesn't apply, because building a house is more important. So if somebody wants to buy a house, the laws of Bar Metzirah are cancelled. And a stranger from the outside can come and buy the house, and the neighbor doesn't have to be given the first right of, of, of acquisition. We, the Jewish people, were given the Torah not because we would be more perfect and more flawless than the angels. We were given the Torah because we would use the Torah to build a house, a home for God on earth. And because we were going to build a home with the Torah, Therefore, the Torah was given to us and the angels have no claim to it. Because a home is more important. What is the meaning of using the Torah to build a home? It means that the Jewish people were given the Torah and they were meant to use the Torah to make the world, this world where the Torah was given, this planet Earth, where the Torah was given, they would, that they would use the Torah to make this world into a comfortable home for God. What is a comfortable home? So anybody that's ever bought a home knows that the definition of a comfortable home is not whether it's single story or two stories or split level or whether it has leather furniture or imported furniture. The level, the definition of a, of a comfortable home is where you feel like yourself. The definition of a comfortable home is where you feel at home. You look at 20 houses, one is beautiful, one is stunning, but then one of them, you go in there and you feel at home. And that's your house. You feel like yourself. And when you walk into that place, you feel 100% comfortable and 100% yourself. You feel like you can be you. That is the definition of a home. And that's why Baruch Hashem, thank God, Everyone who has a home has to say, thank God, a hundred times a day. Because you go out, you go shopping, you go here, you go there. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Why? What's so special about home? 
because throughout your day you have to act for this one and put on this face and put on that hat and you have to put on this show. But when you come home, you can be yourself and there's no feeling as comfortable as being yourself. Ira, are you raising your hand or was that a mistake? Well, can you unmute yourself? Yes. Okay, what's up? So the question I had was that before the Torah was given, obviously we were Jews in Egypt, but what were the laws and rules that we were following then? All the rules that we were following then were voluntary, except for the rules that applied to all humanity. Since the days of Noah, there were seven rules that applied to all humans, and so we were subject to them too. Those were rules that were given by God after the flood. But the rest of the laws, so to speak, Jewish laws, we were voluntarily following them, but we were under no obligation to follow them. We, had, we, were, we, know them, we knew them because God had taught the Torah's laws to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, etc. So we were following it voluntarily. But the Torah wasn't handed to us. The Torah wasn't transferred from heaven to earth and given to us until the revelation at Mount Sinai on Shavuot. And then the Torah became obligatory and not, not only voluntary. So rules like against murder and against theft and against adultery and so on, those rules apply to all humanity from the days of Noah and apply to Jews as well. But the rules of like not working on Shabbos or the rules of kosher or those kind of rules, which are only Jewish rules, the Jews were trying to follow them the best that they could, but they weren't ob- obligated to follow them until... We were given the Torah at Mount Sinai, and then it became our Torah. As we say, when we, go, when we get an Aliyah, we say, um, Hashem, olam, asher mikol ha'amim. He uh, chose us from amongst all the nations, which of course that happened at Mount Sinai, v'natan lanu, and gave us at Torah to his Torah. In other words, it was his, and then he gave it to us. And, and that's why the day of Shavuot, you're, you're going to see on Sunday and on Monday, when you say the Amidah for Shavuot, we're going to say, Thank you for giving us the holiday of Shavuot, the day that we were given our Torah. Matan Our Torah. So it was God's, and God gave it to us and made it ours. Yes, that's on. It means this Torah belongs to God. It belonged to God and he gave it to us. Okay, if it belongs to God, in the Torah, it says, If it's God's Torah, was he praying for somebody or he gave it to us in order to pay to pray for his goodness. The Torah, the, Torah, the Torah, the way it was before God gave it to us, was a spiritual Torah. So the spirit of the Torah existed before. When God gave it to us, he translated it into physical uh, realities. What happens when my ox runs over your sheep? You know, that kind of very physical laws. So before God gave us the Torah... 
yes, the Torah was all about how holiness is important and the world needs to be holy, but not necessarily did it have words like uh, milk and meat. When God gave us the Torah, He put it into physical terms, into a physical manifestation, and it became our Torah, but it was the same message. The message being that God, the Jews, and the Torah have to change the world and make the world a place where God and the Jewish people can be at home together. Hashem Echad Echad. So by the way, Sasi, in regards to your question, in the Torah it says, speak to the children of Israel. Daber el bnei Yisrael, speak to the children of Israel. That means that the Jewish people existed in God's mind even before the Torah did. Otherwise, how could it say in the Torah the children of Israel? Which means, and this is a, and this is a, a beautiful, delicate truth, that that you and me are more precious to God than the rules of the Torah. That's why even when we break the rules of the Torah, when we do tshuva, Hashem forgives us because ultimately we mean more to Him. That's why He gave us the Torah. Because of His love for us. He didn't give us the Torah because we were religious. When He gave us the Torah, none of us were religious. He gave us the Torah, gave us an opportunity, so to speak, to be religious because He loves us. So therefore, it's impossible to say that if a Jew is not religious, God doesn't love him or her. It's upside down. Because when God gave us the Torah, none of us were religious. We didn't even know what religion was. He gave it to us out of his love for us. He wanted that we should make a home for him and for us in this world using the Torah. But it started because of his love for us. So, it's actually, it's actually, <coughs> that. The way it's written, when we read Tehillim and all those things, we, 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 we ask him to protect us more than we are protected in the a time of sorrow, time of questioning. He, he, we are going, Baruch Adonai, like God, please help me. So we know from giving us the Torah, is giving us a tool to pray to him for forgiveness or for help? Yeah. That's a deck. So, the idea of making a home for God means that God needs to be at home on earth, meaning that who God is needs to be what the world is. It needs to be one and the same. It can't be a friction between God and the reality of the world. That's what we say, as long as, as long as a person raises his eyebrows and says, what, you're not going to work on Shabbos? That's so weird. And Mashiach is not here. That's a sign that Mashiach is not here. If God's reality and the popular culture's reality clash with each other, then, that, then the world is not yet a home for God, because how could God be at home in a place where people think that his rules are weird? Nobody would feel at home in such a place. Obviously, the world is not a home for God when there are people who say that God doesn't exist. Nobody, nobody would feel at home if in their home there are people saying, you don't exist. 
So simply, in simple English, the world needs to be a place where God, where you, where you imagine God will be comfortable. Where God is, where God is as welcome and as loved as, as your best friend. By everyone in the world, by everything in the world. Now how, how do we do this? We do this with the Torah. We do this with every mitzvah that we do. But in particular, we do this when we overcome the resistance of the world. And we're not talking about going and conquering countries. We're talking about conquering that corner of our own personality that is not on the same page with God. So for example, a person is, uh, is in Yom Kippur, and they're very, very hungry, and they want to eat. So the Jew says to himself, what do you mean, you, what do you mean I want to eat? What part of me wants to eat? It's Yom Kippur, it's a holy day. Feh. What do you mean you want to eat? So it means that there's a part of us that is totally on board with God. The part of us that is horrified at the thought of eating on Yom Kippur. But there's another part of us that is very hungry on Yom Kippur. We're not that simple. We're multi-layered. So the, the godly soul within us is flying high on Yom Kippur. And food is the farthest thing from its mind. But the animal soul, our animal soul, that part of us is hungry. Yom Kippur, Shmam Kippur, what are you talking about? I haven't eaten breakfast or, or, or lunch. I'm hungry. So if you overcome the resistance of that part of you that is not that doesn't seem godly, you overcome it and you teach that part of you to love Yom Kippur, then you have converted a little corner of the darkness of this world that makes God uncomfortable and you've made that little corner of the world a place where God feels comfortable. Feels welcome. So the, the greatest strides in regards to making the world a godly home is when you overcome internal resistance to a mitzvah. Angels have no internal resistance. They have no resistance. The angels don't have any part of themselves that is not on the same page with God. And therefore, they have no darkness to convert, to overcome. And because they have no darkness to overcome, they cannot truly build a home for God because God's essence is revealed in the conversion of darkness to light. Why? Because God ultimately, what can God do that angels cannot do? God creates. The creation... Taking, taking nothing and making it into something, that is something that only God can do. Angels can do lots of things, but they cannot create a world. That is something that only God can do. Taking nothing and turning it into a universe, yesh me'ayin, that is a godly act. What is, what is the examples of, of uh, miniature creation? Well, when you take a place that is void of holiness and you bring holiness to that place, then you have done a miniature act of creation. You have created godliness where there was no godliness there before. So you are, on a, on a smaller scale, a creator. And why can a Jew do that? Because God invested himself in us through the Torah, through our souls, and therefore we have 
godly power inside of us to be God's full partners in creation by taking a corner of the world that is not fully created and completing it by bringing holiness where there isn't. And that corner of the world means the corner of myself that doesn't want to go to shul, that doesn't want to keep kosher, that doesn't want to be nice to my mother-in-law, I mean to a mother-in-law, that doesn't want to give tzedakah, that doesn't want to do a mitzvah. If I can deal with that part of me, and not only resist it, but overcome it, and not only that, convert it, transform it, so that it, so that it loves the mitzvah, now suddenly I have completed the creation that God started. I am a little creator. And therefore, I am making the world a place where God feels, eh, I feel right at home over here. The angels can't do that. And that's why God, uh, the angels, when they said to, to God, what is a Yilud Isha doing here? Uh, which means, what is a human being doing here? But they, but they use the particular phrase, what is the child of a woman? Which was their way of saying, what is a flesh and blood person doing here? And, and Moses said to them, do you have mothers and fathers? Angels have so much. They're so powerful. They're so great. But you know what angels don't have that we have? Mothers and fathers. You never hear about a mother and a father or the child of this angel or this, these two angels got married and had a child. You don't hear anything like this. Why not? Because reproduction, having children, is an act of creation. And that is something that God gave only on planet Earth. Because creation happens only in God and on Earth. So Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to the angels, you don't understand, my dear angels. You think that the, that the ideal of the Torah is to remain pristine and spiritual, and therefore you would be better at it. And the truth is that if that was the idea of the Torah, you would be better at it. But the idea of the Torah is to convert darkness into light and unholiness into holiness. And that's how you make the world a home for God. And that's something you cannot do, no matter how holy and, 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 uh, and no matter how, how celestial you are. You can't do that because you have no darkness. Did you go down to Egypt? Do you have desire to murder? Do you experience envy? You don't have any darkness and therefore you don't possess the potential to be God's partner in creation by turning things that are no good into something that is good. And we do have that power, and with that power, we build a home for God on this earth. And since we're going to build a home, the laws of Bar Mitzvah do not apply, and we get the Torah, and you don't have the first right of refusal. So simply put, the purpose of the Torah is fulfilled, first of all, when a, not a tzaddik, a tzaddik is very close to an angel. A tzaddik who has no attraction to anything bad is like, sort of like an angel. But when a normal human being with all of the weaknesses and all of the flaws of a normal human being who is a mixture of attraction to good things and attraction to not good things. Half of him wants to do a mitzvah, the other half of him doesn't want the mitzvah. Half of him is proud to be a Jew, the other half of him is annoyed to be a Jew. This kind of a person who loves Shabbos and hates Shabbos, loves the beauty of Shabbos, 
can't stand the fact that he can't work Hashem. This kind of a normal person, a normal person, who takes the Torah, overcomes his own resistance to the Torah, and does the right thing, is making a home for Hashem with the Torah, but even more so when he doesn't only resist his his uh, his own uh, doesn't only overcome his own resistance, but act- actually trains himself to love the mitzvah, and this is why it's a mitzvah to be happy as a Jew. It's not enough to schlep through Yiddishkeit and do the mitzvah with a fachmurit upon him and a fakrim tenoz. It's not enough to do the mitzvah begrudgingly, you know, get it done. Of course, getting it done is better than nothing, you know. Get her done. You got to get her done. You got to get the mitzvah done. But that's only better than nothing. The ideal is doing a mitzvah with simcha. Because when you do a mitzvah with simcha, Every part of you has a good time. What part of us doesn't enjoy happiness? Every part of us, even, even our animal soul, enjoys a good time. So when you have a good time doing a mitzvah, now you are really making Hashem feel welcome in the world. Because not only are people doing what He wants, but people are enjoying doing what He wants. Well, now you know that really makes you feel comfortable. When people, when people love your ideas and love what you, what, you, what you say and what you think, you feel very comfortable around them. Well, when Yidin love to do mitzvahs, and even if there's a part of them that doesn't like doing it, but they do it with simcha, and they train that part of them to have a good time doing a mitzvah, then that really makes Hashem really comfortable in the world, and then Hashem feels at home. So this is why at every Yom Tif, it says, V'samachta b'chagecha. You should celebrate. <laughs> you should celebrate on Yom Tov. Enjoy yourself. In fact, around about Shavuos, about Shavuot in particular, it says, enjoy yourself. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Why enjoy it? You would think Shavuot is the day when we're given the Torah. The, the whole theme of the holiday should be obedience to the Torah. And yet, no, the, 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 the theme of the day is enjoy it. Enjoy some cheesecake. Enjoy some ice cream. Enjoy a yomtev meal. There is no obligations on Shavuot. You can eat chametz. You don't have to go eat in the sukkah. You can just enjoy yourself. Because doing a mitzvah with enjoyment... Having a great time being a Jew is the best, quickest way to make Hashem feel comfortable in this world. Now, what is the best way to enjoy being a Jew? We're saying the best way to make the world a home for Hashem, where Hashem is comfortable, is that you don't only do a mitzvah, but you do it with enjoyment. You have a good time doing it. What's the best way to make sure that when you do a mitzvah, you enjoy doing it? What's the best way to make sure that you're not only okay being Jewish, but that you're having a good time being Jewish? The answer is fabrengins. The answer is getting together with other people. When we get together, whether it's in shul, or if it's at a women's circle, or if it's at a men's club, or if it's at a minion, or if it's in a park, it doesn't matter. When Yidin get together, Yiddishkeit becomes much, much more enjoyable than just doing it on your own. And that's why it's so incalculably important that Yidin should get together as much as possible. 
especially when we're doing mitzvahs, especially for Yamtif and Shul. We should get together. We should be together because that's when Yiddishkeit becomes Mamash Amachaya, becomes a delight, a delight. And when God sees that we find being Jewish delightful, he feels right at home. And when Hashem feels right at home on earth, then the angels are happy, and Hashem is happy, and we are happy, and everybody is happy. And that is the story of the great debate.